Father, we just thank you. Oh, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for being a wonderful Father, for your unconditional love, for always thinking the best, for your patience and your kindness and your gentleness, God, for the gift of Jesus and sending Holy Spirit, our comforter, our friend. We thank you. Thank you for baptizing us in Christ, for making us new, (laughs) for making us holy and righteous in your sight, for translating us from the kingdom of darkness, for placing us in your kingdom, for making us partakers of your divine nature, for making us joint heirs with Jesus, for seating us in Christ at your right hand in heavenly places. Father, we just thank you for your power and your glory and your honor that dwells in us and rests upon us. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for the truth. We thank you for your spirit that dwells in us, God. We just thank you today. We thank you and we praise you because you're worthy tonight. Uh, So we just ask you, Lord, as we spend time focused on your word, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to be our teacher. Lead us and guide us into all truth, Holy Spirit. Show us things to come. You know the things that are weighing on people's hearts and minds today, Lord. You know all of the, the needs that people have. Father, you know everything about us. And so, Lord, we just ask you to be who you are in our midst tonight, to be our source tonight, Father, for all things pertaining to life and godliness, God. Just open our eyes, enlighten the eyes of our understanding, God, so that we can see things from your perspective. Open our ears, God, to hear great and wondrous things from you tonight, God. We just receive daily bread. We receive words of encouragement and words that edify and strengthen and comfort tonight. Father, we just receive from you. We just receive from you. You are our source. Jesus, you are the vine. We are the branches. And so we just abide. We just connect into that never-ending source and supply of grace and love and mercy and goodness. And we thank you tonight for just what you're doing in our lives right now. God, we thank you that you are moving. You are, you're doing something beautiful, God. You're doing something miraculous. You're doing something spectacular in our lives right now, God. You're perfecting that which concerns us. You're finishing the good work that you began in us. You're bringing it to completion. You're being the author and the finisher of our faith. You're strengthening us. You're you're filling us with your spirit afresh and anew, Lord. And we just thank you tonight. I pray that, Lord, you would just give us the right 
perspectives and mindsets tonight, God, to just partner with that which you're doing. And I thank you for it in advance, and I give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are here tonight, but also listening on the podcast. And uh, I just want to bless you, and I thank you for just all the sacrifices that moms make on a day in and day out. It is just a, such a revelation of the heart of Jesus. And uh, we just thank thank the moms and honor the moms tonight. And um, yeah, so we're going to jump in to a couple things here that I felt like were on the Lord's heart. Um, the first kind of thing that was kind of, you know, I just am really led by the Spirit on really where we go on these um, Sunday night, these Supernatural Sundays, and what I speak on. And a lot of times I've found that even if I prepare something or come prepared with something on my heart, it ends up the Holy Spirit changes it anyway. So I just try to stay full of Him and His wisdom and uh, just let Him lead. And the very first thing that I um, that I really felt that was important to talk about tonight. And, um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a coincidence that it's on Mother's Day. Maybe it's not related at all. I'm not sure. But I wanted to, um, talk about really quickly the importance of forgiveness. I really felt that that was on the Lord's heart tonight. And I think sometimes, um, you know, we think, we, we aren't aware sometimes of how just offenses sneak into our life and how um, judgments sneak into our lives and we get wounded, you know, pretty much most of us on a regular basis. Uh, A lot of times it's not intentional. I mean, people, you know, a lot of times are not intending to hurt our emotional, uh, our our feelings or or do something that offends us. But we live in a world where Jesus said offense, offense is going to come. And a lot of times we also think sometimes that, my goodness, I've forgiven this person or I have forgiven uh, uh, over this situation before. But for some reason, um, we just find that when we're around certain people, we, we find ourselves irritated or we find ourselves not being able to, to love them really the way that even in our hearts we know that we should. And so I felt like the Holy Spirit just tonight wanted me to just remind everyone that forgiveness is a lifestyle. It's not something that you do one time. It's something that you literally do every day. It's like, um, it's like, it's like emotional maintenance. <laughs> it's like cleaning your heart out. You know, and if you, you know, every, all of us here know that you don't, you don't clean your house one time and then it stays clean forever. Uh, you know, what happens is you just live in your house. You live in your house, and in the course of daily living, your house just gets messy. And really, that's kind of how her, her hearts are. I mean, our hearts are just kind of going through life, and um, things just get messy. Why? Because relationships are messy. People are messy. Uh, and guess what? I haven't met a perfect one yet except Jesus. I haven't met anyone that's walking in perfect love except Jesus Christ, including myself. You know, I, I don't love other people perfectly. And honestly, it's an in, um, uh, 
what do I try to say? It's an unrealistic expectation for for us to expect other people to love us perfectly. I mean, really, that need to be totally understood, the need that we have to be totally uh, just accepted and treated with honor all the time, really, that need needs to be met by the only one that can meet it, which is Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus is so full of honor for you. Jesus has so much... Um, you know, I love First Corinthians 13 when it talks about that he doesn't, you know, God doesn't keep a, a record of wrongs, that he always believes the best. And so the point is, is that God is loving you perfectly. He is, he is always thinking the best about you. He sees you in your most glorious, uh, just, just anointed, uh, victorious state. I mean, he just sees you at your best all the time. He's constantly encouraging us to be who we are, to be who he sees us as. And when we look to other people to do that in our lives, we, we're going to be disappointed. We're just going to be disappointed. I mean, uh, truthfully, uh, our lives are about learning to love. They're not so much about being loved. <laughs> and when we are, not that we don't need love, but the Father is to be the source of peace, the perfect love. He's perfect love. And if we can just receive that love from him, it makes it so much easier to let other people off the hook. And let me also say this. The other thing that makes it easy is to just stay connected to all the things that you need forgiveness for. And all the ways that on a daily basis, you and I just slip up and don't, don't love other people perfectly. I don't know about you, but I'm very connected to the reality that I need the grace of God, that I need the forgiveness of God. A matter of fact, Jesus said this. He said, those who have been forgiven much love much. That is a very powerful scripture. And I'm going to read this to you, but it says, those who have been forgiven much love much. And so there is a real key to you and I living out of a, a place of humility where you and I recognize our need for Jesus, our need for Jesus's love, our need for Jesus's grace, our need for Jesus's forgiveness, our need for a savior, our need for a deliverer. And when you stay in that place, it's, it's, it's hard to have expectations of other people, uh, when you are connected with your need, your need for grace. And truthfully, um, that, that spirit that, that holds offenses against other people and is, doesn't, you know, doesn't forgive easily, you know, that is, that, that doesn't just, uh, have a heart of forgiveness flowing through it. It honestly is coming from a place, whether we recognize it or not. I mean, you know, woundedness is is a self-centered lifestyle. <laughs> you know, you don't like to think about that. But when you are consumed with your own grief and your own uh, hurt feelings and your own sense of being slighted or treated wrongly, what it does is it, you're just completely turned inward. And when you're completely turned inward and you're self-centered that way, let me tell you, that's a miserable way to live. 
And forgiveness is a is really a place of it's a place of humility, but it's also a place where you can release all that mass because Jesus bore your grief. Jesus bore your shame. He says that that you know his he was wounded for our transaction trans, transgressions. In other words, and that by his stripes we are healed. Jesus bore this 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 these this hurt. I mean, he is the only true pain reliever. You know, there, there's Jesus is powerful in the sense that he takes pain. Right? He takes it away. And the way that he does that, one of the ways that he takes our pain, and that specifically the pain of offense, the pain, the pain of being treated wrongly, the pain of rejection, the pain of being overlooked, the pain of being kicked to the curb. I mean, whatever that the offense is, whatever, however you've been mistreated, Jesus is powerful enough to take that pain from you. You don't have to suffer. <laughs> Amen? Uh, I get that you might be hurt, but Jesus also said, hey, turn the other cheek. I mean, how do we turn the other cheek when you've got a bruise on your one cheek because the person slapped you, right? Well, you do. You turn your cheek supernaturally. You turn your cheek because Jesus is healing your cheek so that you can turn the other cheek. And man, if they hit the other cheek, he's going to heal that cheek. And then you'll turn the other cheek. I mean, there is a place that we can live that is pain-free in Christ. But forgiveness is the doorway out of the bondage of pain, out of the, out of the pain of pain. And so let me just read this scripture to you. Let me um, get this up for you in my iPad here. Uh, it's in Luke chapter 7. And let's just read here. It says, and, and let me just talk, well, I'll talk about it after I read it. It says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. And it says, now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, He spoke to himself, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So it's really awesome because... The Pharisee didn't say anything out loud. He was speaking this to himself. But Jesus, reading the man's thoughts, okay, he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. And so he said, teacher, say it. He said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii uh, and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. It says, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? 
Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time that I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to him, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace, right? Now, again, I I was sharing this story in the context of when we... When we stay aware of our need for forgiveness and, and, and really uh, think about all of the ways that God has forgiven us. I mean, I don't know if, you know, in heaven somewhere there's some kind of, you know, book of sins that when Jesus became sin on the cross and he absorbed sin in his body, I mean, he did that for the whole world. I mean, the sins of the whole world is what Jesus bore on the cross. And so, I mean, I don't know if if there's some record up in heaven and, you know, maybe in my book there's 500,000 sins (laughs) and maybe in somebody else's book there's 200,000 sins. I don't know. I I don't know who the worst sinner that ever lived was. I don't know who the most, the least sinner who ever lived was. But the point is there's no one but Jesus that is sinless. And when we stay connected to that place that, that you know what, I, I have a lot that I've been forgiven of Jesus, and we stay thankful and grateful for that, we recognize that it's really a pharisaical spirit. It's really a religious spirit that keeps account of other people's sin. I'm not saying the pain wasn't real. I'm not saying that you weren't injured. I'm not, I am not uh, justifying what they did. I'm not calling what they did as, as though it wasn't sin against you. It, it, they may have malaligned you, abused you, rejected you, forgotten you, dishonored you, all of the things that you are that you are offended about, they really did. There is an offense there. I'm not I'm not denying that you were sinned against. What I am denying is your right to keep that. I'm denying your right to hold that against your brother, to hold that against your sister, to hold that against anyone else on the planet. And the reason that you are denied that right is because Jesus Christ became sin. And here's the other thing too, is that you holding on to that right is the very key that has locked yourself in prison. So you want to release this right. You want to release the right to, to, to stay in unforgiveness. And you want to say, wait a minute, okay. And by the way, you don't do it because you feel like it. Uh, the funny thing about forgiveness is unforgiveness holds the pain in your heart. Unforgiveness literally holds the pain in place. But when you say, Father, you know what? I just choose. I choose not because I feel like it, 
but because it's right. I choose the right thing. I choose, uh, I understand the cross. I don't have a, I don't have a right to, to hold unforgiveness in my heart against this person. And so, Lord, I release them. I release their sins. And I forgive them. I forgive them for ignoring me, for, for uh, dishonoring me, for not understanding me, for gossiping about me, for rejecting me, for malaligned, for slandering me, for yelling at me, for hitting me, for uh, abusing me in some way, for stealing from me, for taking advantage of me, for not being considerate of my feelings, for not thinking about anybody but themselves. But you just get, just let it pour out. Like whatever that, all of that, all of those, things that that they have done uh just let it rip and you let it go and when you're when you're done with that you say jesus now i'm letting this go i'm giving it to you you know a lot of times i'll even visualize you know just throwing it in the blood <laughs> i just wash it in the i wash them in the blood lord you washed us from our sins and i just i appropriate the blood of the lamb the blood of god himself over this person and I release this pain to you. I release this bitterness, this resentment, this, this animosity, this, oh, just this unforgiveness, this pain. I just release it to you. And I'll tell you, you will be amazed at how much, just literally instantaneously, you will feel better. You will just feel like, wow, I didn't even, you know, you just didn't even know that forgiveness had that power. There is so much power in forgiveness, which frankly is one of the reasons why God forgave us. If God is perfect and he's perfect love, well, how much more can he not hold unforgiveness in his heart? <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't stay angry at his kids. He couldn't stay angry at the ones that he created in his image. Perfect love casts out that you know, fear, and he is... He is coming after us with a, with a fiery love that is free of holding sins against us. If you didn't listen to Jamie's uh, podcast from last week, I'm going to tell you, after you're finished listening to this one, you need to go back and listen to Jamie's teaching because it talked about how Jesus, well, how God was in Christ reconciling the world to God and how we've been given this ministry of reconciliation and forgiveness I, I want to say this in, in context of that, but go listen to that teaching because um, it's just so powerful about what Jesus accomplished on the cross for all of humanity. Um, but let me also say this, speaking of reconciliation, you know, forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same things. So just because you forgive someone and you release them from the debt that is owed to you because they sinned against you and you release them, you know, you give up your right to hold this against them. It doesn't mean that you have to be best friends with these people, right? Um, Jesus was a man who had an inner circle, right? He had 12 disciples and three of those were the ones that were closest with him. Then he had, you know, a circle of 12. Then there was 70, if you remember, that got sent out. And he healed multitudes. And heck, he rebuked Pharisees. He went to eat with this guy. But, you know, obviously, he, he, he saw the condition of Simon's heart. He was an evaluator of people's hearts. I mean, he told another person, you know, Nathaniel, he said, you are a true Israelite and who there is no guile. I mean, he was a, he understood people's hearts and the purity of people's hearts. And so he, 
He, he wasn't, what I'm trying to say is he loved everyone, but not everyone was his best friend. And you have permission to uh, set appropriate boundaries with people who are, for whatever reason, not emotionally safe, not um, spiritually uh, mature. Uh, it doesn't mean that you don't, you know, minister to them. You know, you, you have to really, you have to guard your heart. You have to determine where, uh, what healthy relationships look like in your life. And you keep your love on in the midst of that, but you don't allow disrespectful conversations. You don't allow abusive situations in your life. Um, honestly, that is a protecting of a relationship when you set that boundary. When you don't allow someone to uh, treat you in a inappropriate way, uh, that a- that actually is protecting your relationship with that person. That is an act of love. Um, but my point is, is that it's not the same thing to forgive and to reconcile. Those are two completely different things. So, um, yeah, uh, that was just on my heart tonight, and so. I encourage you to take a little bit of time, even, you know, maybe after you listen tonight or uh, whenever you're listening to this podcast and just, you know, do a little bit of uh, cleaning house. Uh, Just get all the offense out of your heart. You'll be amazed at how different you will feel. Now, I also want to say this too. A lot of times um, after we forgive someone, sometimes there still just feels like something is there. And I want to encourage you, if that's the case, if, you, if you've forgiven someone but you just really can't, I don't know, get to the bottom of, you know, where these painful emotions are coming from related to this person, I want to, um, I want to suggest that maybe there is a deeper wound there that maybe whatever the situation is, Maybe that, that, that situation, that, that, that person that is hurting you, maybe they're hitting on a, a wound that is deeper than what's going on on the surface. Maybe they're just like hitting somewhere you've been bruised a lot and you've forgiven them, but man, there's still a bruise there, right? And, and when that happens, you know what? The Holy Spirit is amazing. Uh, he wants to use even these things that, you know, bring us sometimes painful emotions. He wants to use these things to really heal our hearts. And so if you'll just be honest with the Lord in that place and be like, I have forgiven this person, but I don't know what's going on. I still just don't feel, I don't feel love toward this person. I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel total relief. I feel some relief, but I don't feel complete relief. Well, I want to encourage you to, to, to maybe Search a little deeper beneath the surface with the Holy Spirit. And more than likely, there is one or more lies that you are believing uh, as a result of something that's happened to you in your life. And so this particular offense came and just hit that. Just hit that. You know, it's like, you know, kicking you when you're down, kind of. You know, it's just like it hit you right in that place of emotional pain. But the Holy Spirit, I mean, Jesus said this. He said in Luke chapter 4, he said, um, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, uh, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel. And then it says a little bit further down, And to heal 
the broken hearted. And if you or I are, are suffering with a broken heart, if there's a place in our heart that's been wounded, and heck, you know, when you've been wounded a lot, it makes you so that you're easily offended because you've just been wounded. You know, you're just easily offended because you've just got so many bruises on your heart. So, you know what, if you're bruised, if you're really sensitive to, to someone touching that wounded area, a bruise is sensitive to the touch. And so if you find that you're, you know, easily offended uh, and that you find yourself, you know, getting your feelings hurt quite a bit or you're sensitive or you're more of a sensitive person, then I want to suggest that maybe, just maybe, that you need to turn to Jesus as, as the healer of your broken heart. You know, one of the wonderful things about Jesus is that as our source, right? I mean, he's the vine, we're the branches. I prayed that earlier. That means that he's the source. He's the source for everything that we need. He is a a provider of everything we need. One of the Old Testament names for God is Jehovah Jireh, which means God sees and provides. It means that he sees what we need and he provides what we need. There's another scripture that says that the, the, the Holy Spirit is a is a very present help in the time of need. And my point is, is that we can have faith for Jesus to be whatever we need him to be. You know, if we need financial provision, then we can we can trust in God to be the provider of our physical needs. If we have, if we are in need of physical healing, well, he is our healer. He has healing to give for to us. If we are in emotional pain and we have a broken heart or we're struggling with unforgiveness or we're struggling with rejection or we're struggling with feeling depressed or we're struggling with just an emotional um, heart pain of some kind, well, Jesus is the healer of the brokenhearted. And as someone who Jesus has, has healed over and over and over again and has set my heart free uh, to love and free to be at peace. Uh, I can tell you that this is a, this is a real person with a real, <laughs> a real anointing to heal, to heal our hearts. And uh, I just encourage you to seek that. If you know that you have been through, which we all have been through something, everybody's been through something, but if you've been through experiences that have left you, uh, depressed or dealing with emotional pain of some kind, release your faith for Jesus, the healer of broken hearts. And uh, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. And I will say this, um, many times the doorway into healing opens through offense. It opens through a circumstance that brings up some kind of pain and it's a wounding that's not an original wound. I mean, what I'm saying is, is like, it's like somebody touches the bruise and you realize, wow, that's tender. This needs to be healed. How many of you have done that before? I've done that before, not realized I was bruised, right? And then you hit you like, oh my gosh, I've got this bruise on my leg or a bruise on my arm. And it wasn't until you touched it that you knew that there was an injury there. And so I want to just encourage you to partner with the Holy Spirit and become more self-aware in this area. And uh, Jesus will show you 
sometimes who you actually need to forgive in addition to the person that, you know, seemingly just offended you yesterday. You know, many times we're the person who offended you yesterday is actually just reminding you of your mother or your father or a teacher in fourth grade that injured you 20 years ago. And you've just kind of subconsciously buried that. And yet that, that wound has never been healed. You've never released forgiveness for that person. And so um, I just encourage you at that place of offense, at that place of woundedness, to invite Jesus into that place and ask him to heal you Get to the root of whatever that is and heal your heart. And so that was not something I really planned on um, chatting about today, but um, that was on the Lord's heart. And the other, there was a second thing that was on my heart tonight, and I think it's kind of interesting. And I'll say this to moms out there, uh, since it is Mother's Day, a lot of times moms need to forgive themselves. Uh, I just feel the Lord's heart on that is that, you know what, being a mom is one of the hardest jobs on the planet and parenthood. Let me say this too, is really where, where you work out a lot of your childhood issues. Uh, when you, you know, I know most parents will say this, but you know, it wasn't until you a parent, uh, you were a parent that you actually had a little more grace for your own parents, you know, because you started to recognize just what a hard job it was. I remember growing up, I remember my dad saying to me, just wait till you have your own kids, you know, and I'd almost get sick of hearing that. I'd be like, well, I'm, you know, cause I'd make all these inner vows. Well, I'm not going to be like you, you know, everybody vows that I'm not going to be like my mother. I'm not going to be like my father. And then, you know, you find yourself parenting. And the next thing you know, you're saying the same thing. Why? Because I said so. You know, you, you find yourself saying the same things and you're thinking, oh my goodness, who have I become? But my point is I have a, a couple of books at home that always bless my heart. And one is just called Mommy, Mommy Grace. And it, it just talks about mommy guilt and mom guilt. And, you know, the point is, is that um, our kids do have a tendency to, uh, they can they can get on your last nerve. They can test your patience. I mean, they will absolutely help determine the level of the fruit of the Spirit that you walk in, <laughs> if I can just say that. And so, moms, you know, just take some time to also forgive yourself. There is only one perfect parent, and his name, again, is Jesus Christ. He, You know, the Father is the perfect parent, and it is by his grace that we parent our children. And so forgive yourself in whatever ways that... Uh, you might need to forgive yourself because God honors you. God honors you, and um, he uh, He called you to be a mom. And so uh, the last thing I'll say is on this, just because I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying this too, is to make sure that you release your kids to the Lord. Um, and, you know, we forget, I'm talking about forgiveness, but I'm all, you know, forgiveness is a release, but also just the responsibility. You know, there's a, at some point, it's, you know, the father and it is the, we are, we are stewards over our kids. We are, we have them for a short time, but they ultimately belong to the Lord. And really, we don't want to be the power source for our children. We want the father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus to, to really be the source of their life. And so it's just kind of like um, 
you know, Brian and I talk about this sometimes, that, you know, God may use Brian, to, I mean, he's, he may provide for our family, but truthfully, God is the provider. He's the provider that's using Brian and providing through Brian. And so that's the same way with parenting. I mean, God is the source. We're just the conduit for the grace of God. And so I just will say that a little bit. But the other topic that I thought was kind of interesting that the Lord was bringing up tonight, and I I really believe that this is a season of promotion. Uh, This is a season where God is bringing increase. He is wanting uh, just, how many of you know, blessing is what's on God's mind. I mean, he is just all about increase. He's all about favor. He he is all about uh, demonstrating his goodness through your life. And uh, I wanted to talk about this um, just a, just a moment. I want to read a scripture uh, from the Psalms that I think is just a great, great scripture. It's from Psalm 75, and it says this. I'm reading it in the King James Version right now. It says, For promotion cometh neither from the east nor the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. Uh, Let me just read you that in the message translation just to see how that reads. It says, he's the one from east to west, from desert to mountains. He's the one God rules. He brings one down to his knees and pulls one up on her feet. So that's good. Um, but the point is, is that promotion is God's business. God is the positioner of our life. And a lot of times we, um, we don't tap into the heart and the way of God. And so we, we toil, we toil for things. We, we, we work the world system to get ahead. You know, we compete with one another. We compare ourselves to one another. And we get caught up in all of these different, um, I guess, activities that are just not only super frustrating and exhausting, but they really are futile because in the kingdom, the way up is down. In the kingdom, the way of the king is humility. And it's easy to, it's, it's easy to forget that Jesus didn't come. Here he was, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, God himself. You know, he said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. And I don't know if you just, I think if you just sat and meditated on that for a month, that is just an incredible picture of the God that we know. <laughs> that he, he delights in actually serving us. You know, we think we serve God or we serve other people, but yet God delights in serving us. Like we are being served by God. Jesus went to the cross in service to us. He humbled himself, it says, to the point of death in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, even to the point of, he became obedient unto death, you know, and that God exalted him. 
and that he gave him a name above every name, you know? And so here's the thing that's so interesting about that is that this path of service, this path of humility, the fact that Jesus came to, to serve us actually exalted him. <laughs> it was like by him emptying himself and there being no self-exaltation at all, it says that he didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. You know, he didn't, in other words, he, he knew who he was. He knew what he was doing and yet he did it. It was of his own free will. I mean, he told his disciples that, you know, it was his to lay his life down and it was his to take it back up again. I mean, he, 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 he made a conscious decision to, to humble himself. And, you know, humility is, is one of these things that I'll say this. If we, if we have dealt with shame in our life, meaning, now shame if you want to know what shame is, shame really is this belief that there is something wrong with you. Um, it's not that you did something wrong, right? Because, you know, I mean, we're going to make mistakes. We're all going to, we're all not going to do everything perfect every day. So it's not that you made a mistake. It's that you, there's a mistake with you. There's some, it's a, it's a deep seated feeling like there's something wrong with me. It's like you've taken on a, some kind of wrongness about your personhood, about you as a, as a human being. There's something wrong with me. And that shame, first of all, has got to go <laughs> because Jesus bore your shame. Jesus, there is, Jesus, because of Jesus, what was wrong with you was crucified. Uh, that, that badness in you, that, that person who, you know, sometimes it's like, I can't do anything right, that there's something wrong with me. That, that persona, that idea, that shame, that whole identity, that whole shame-based identity was nailed to the cross with Jesus. And as a new creation, it's no longer about what's wrong with you. It's about what's right with you. And that's what righteousness is. You have been given the righteousness of God. What is right with you is the nature of Jesus Christ. What is right with you is who you are in Christ. And you no longer even have an identity apart from Christ except in your mind. But here's the thing. When you aren't established in this, when you still are relating to a version of yourself that no longer exists, okay, you still are thinking of yourself in, in terms of the old man, that there's something wrong with you, that there's, a, there's a, a sin root, there's a shame root in there in your heart. Uh, you are going to struggle with humility, um, because the reason why Jesus was so, Jesus was, was secure. Jesus was secure in who he was. Jesus didn't have anything to prove. Jesus wasn't getting his self-esteem from the title King of Kings and Lord of Lords. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's kind of like the Napoleon syndrome. If you've ever think of like Napoleon or something who, you know, they're getting their their self-esteem from title or position or just anything other than their relationship with the Father. 
But Jesus was secure in who he was. I mean, he was the beloved son in whom the father delighted. And so it wasn't, and he was the beloved son whom the father delighted from the foundation of the world. He was the beloved son before he ever went to Calvary, before he ever started his ministry. So he, his identity was the beloved. It wasn't, there's something wrong with me. His, his identity was, I am the beloved son. I am a beloved son. And when you are, when you walk in that identity of I am beloved, I am loved, I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm loved. You know, I'm loved not because I do everything right. I'm loved because God decided I'm lovable. He decided it was worth his own blood to redeem me. I am, I am worthy. I'm worthy because God said I'm worthy. And when you start to take on that identity, it's like if you talk about humility, apart from righteousness and apart from healing of a shame-based identity, humility will just feel like humiliation. Humility will feel, um, you'll just feel like it's almost like more of the same. You know, it's like I'm an orphan and so therefore humility is acting like an orphan, you know, because I'm not, I'm just, I'm nobody. But that's not, I mean, you know, people talk about humble circumstances as being poor, well, a poverty mindset, an orphan mindset, is not what humility is about. Humility comes from a place of security. Humility comes because you know who you are. You don't have to prove it to anybody. And you can serve because you're secure in who you are. And so let me just bring this back to the idea of promotion. Um. You know, it says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will promote you in his time. That's in 1 Peter 5, 6. And let me read it in a different translation. Let me just read it in the NIV really quick. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So, if humility is tied to security, meaning I'm able to operate in humility because I am insecure in who I am as God's son, as God's beloved as God's chosen, is God's, I mean, my, my esteem is in his opinion of me. Like, I am, I am so worthy. I am so loved. I am so um, full of the glory of God, right? That position, it's, it's, um, it's a place of privilege. It's a place of nobility. It's a place of royalty. It's a place where your life is laid down in the service of others because of who you are, because of who you are. And that place where you have that mindset and you have that security in that is a place that's promotable. Why? Because you're not getting your identity from the promotion. You're not getting your identity from a position or from the exaltation or from the accolades of people or from the favor of man. You can carry favor because you're not getting identity from favor. 
if, if anything, you recognize the favor as just the favor of being God's favorite, <laughs> that you're just daddy's favorite. And you are therefore able to, to really bless other people with a pure heart, with a pure heart. And uh, I'm not really sure, you know, why exactly the Lord wanted to chat with that chat with us tonight. But, you know, like I said earlier, you know, forgiving other people puts yourself in a place of humility. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a place of humility. It's where you're, you're not uh, lifting yourself up as the judge of other people. I mean, God is the judge. God is the only righteous judge. He's the only one that understands the motives of the heart. I mean, we may think we know why people do what they do, but we don't have a clue why people do what they do. And unless you've walked in their shoes, you know, for half a minute, you are not going to understand the motivations of their heart. You're not them. You didn't make the life choices they've made. You haven't had the experiences that they have had. You don't understand them. You don't, and you can't, unless the Lord supernaturally gives you that. And so I I just really feel like this season is such a a season of promotion. This is such a season of positioning. And the question then becomes, you know, how do we position? How do we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God? Because it's not, it's not a self-depreciation. Okay. Humility is not self-depreciation. It is not, granted, you recognize, you know, you're, you're honest with your, your weaknesses and those things. It's not like, but you're not, your identity isn't in that. Humility is, is truthfully, this is Jesus. You want to see what Jesus, how humility looks? It says this, of my own self, I can do nothing. But as I, as I hear the Father, I judge, you know? He says, I only see what I see the Father doing. He said this, the Father in me does the work. I mean, think of the identity that's coming out of that when Jesus is saying these things. I mean, this is, this is, this is a, there is no self in this. There is truly just the Father dwells in me. The Father and I are one. I am his beloved Son and we are one. I mean, there's such an identity in this. It's Jesus being secure and who he is and operating from a place of union. And therefore, it's humility. Humility is literally identifying with Christ. It's identifying with the Father and letting him do the work through you. It's a place uh, of of the emptying of, of self. And in order to do that, you really do have to lay down a shame-based identity. You really do. So that what am I saying? I'm saying that the, the cure for shame <laughs> is recognizing it was nailed to the cross and that that's not even who you are. And when you have the thought of, you know, there's something wrong with me, you just think, well, thank goodness that that's dead. It's dead. And so this path, I guess the kingdom way that I'm kind of referring here to, this humbling way, this, you know, letting God be the judge, letting go of offense, letting go of unforgiveness, letting go of shame, letting go of a false identity, and identifying with Jesus, taking his righteousness as a gift, taking his, his identity as your identity. I am one with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so therefore, from this place, 
I'm not self-conscious. I'm God-conscious. And in this place, I can do nothing of myself. So, Father, I'm just connected with you. What are you doing? What are you saying? Right? And from that place, I'm telling you, it's, it's a joy to serve. It's a joy to serve. How many of you know have just, you know, you've just been a blessing to someone and you get more blessed than the person you blessed? I, I mean, I know we have been there before. And God, that's God's temperament 24-7. I mean, he, he just is, he's just a blesser. <laughs> he just blesses, 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 blesses. Why? Because he's just secure. He's secure. He doesn't need us to worship him. He doesn't need us to love him. He doesn't need us to get his identity. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? He knows he's exactly sure about who he is. Now, we worship him because he's worthy. We worship him because in his presence, you can't help but bow down because he is who he is. But it's not like God is some self-absorbed narcissist who, you know, needs everybody serving him and needs everybody worshiping him. No, he is a server. He is a blesser. And he is humble. He is humble. He is, I mean, come on, God, and if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. So it's not like Jesus is, I mean, the humble one and the Father's all lifted up with pride because he's the most high. No, 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 they're one. And so when Jesus humbled himself unto death, the Father humbled himself unto death. And he did that so that we could be, we would have worth. He he, He ascribed worth to us through that act. And so you and I are imitators of God. We are the we are filled with the Father's heart and the Father's love. And I'll tell you, we need to get rid of anything and everything that is causing us to be stuck in self-centeredness. So whether that is unforgiveness, whether that is um, shame, you know, whether that is just pride, and and again, pride is just honestly you caught up in an identity that's independent. Pride and independence are the, I mean, those are, those are the, those go together, you know? And so humility and dependence go hand in hand. And so, you know, I just want to bless you tonight. I feel like that's just the word of the Lord tonight, that he's just, I'll tell you, being self-centered is miserable. Uh, it is a miserable place to live where, you know, you're just on your mind all the time and, uh, but there's a reason for that. So I'm not, I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying that to get, there's a path. There's a path out of self-centeredness. And it is just releasing that pain to the Lord, releasing the offenses to the Lord, letting Jesus be the healer of your broken heart. And uh, frankly, getting rooted and grounded in the gospel in the love of God, in your identity in Christ. I'll tell you, we forget all the time. We start relating to ourselves as someone we're not. We forget that we are new creatures, that the old man was crucified with Christ. You know, we we don't, and we start living in this illusion of an identity that doesn't even exist. And so true humility is letting that go. And I'll tell you that that is the path to promotion, the path to promotion. And, and, and let's, it's also practical too. You know what? Not only forgiving, but how about apologizing? You know, how about, how about being a person that is quick to say, I'm sorry, you know? And that apologizing and forgiving others is just the heart of God, the heart of God. It is a humble heart. 
And so, praise God. Well, Father, I just thank you for this word of encouragement tonight. And I thank you that it's um, somehow related in with Mother's Day. And I'm not sure how that was because it doesn't seem super related to me. But I know, Lord, that that maybe it's because we need to, sometimes we need to forgive moms. Maybe we need to call our moms and bless our moms. I'm not sure. Maybe we need to forgive ourselves as moms. But um, I thank you that there's something, there's a nugget of truth in here for everyone, Father, both moms and non-moms. And Lord, I thank you that that is this message. Is, this message was meant to encourage. This message was meant to, uh, it's like popping some Advil. <laughs> Lord, I, it, it's like you are mindful of the pain that people, people, is, people are in. And it, it grieves your heart, Jesus, to have bore it and see people still going through it. And so, uh, Father, I just release grace. I release grace over everyone that's listening tonight. Father, that they would just be able to, man, experience the freedom that Jesus secured for them through the cross. That they would release offense, release pain, Father, and shame and Man, just come into this place of security as sons of God. Come into a place of security in their true identity. And Father, from that place, you know what? Walk in humility. Walk in the place of of service to others. And uh, I thank you, Lord, that that's the work that you're doing. And everyone that's listening tonight, everyone that's listening, Father, by podcast, and we give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen.